life isn't about avoiding the bruises. It's about collecting the scars to prove that we showed up for it. Join Nikki Seberini for the next hour as she explores heroism through illness. There is a warrior inside each of us. This is LifeLinks with the DL Link. LifeLinks is a funding initiative of the DL Link. Well, welcome, welcome to the show. This is the DL Link show where we connect you through insights, information and illumination. And uh, yep, every Thursday we get to inspire you or inform you. And um, it's always really a pleasure to do that. I always learn so much from the extraordinary people who um, come onto the show. So last week we spoke about... Wow, it was a really, really great show. We spoke about the upcoming Three Seas Dinner. Um, Rob shared uh, some of the stories of the journey. Um, we spoke about Bev. Um, we spoke about the great circle of, and the, the, the circle of this connection of DL Link and how we had Nightbird uh, on the show. Um, and then when the Mzanzi Youth Choir went along to the America's Got Talent, they sang her song and guess what? As we said, they will be performing at the Three Seas Dinner on the 19th of February. Well, the good news is that it's fully sold out. That's it. Um, and just once again, we really, really want to thank um, Liberty because without them, it simply wouldn't be possible um, putting on such a magnificent, magnificent evening, um, just encompassing everything that the DL Link does, celebrating the DL Link, celebrating the warriors, celebrating the people who contribute all the time. So, yeah, just absolutely fantastic. Well, you know, the and I did mention it last week that the 4th of Feb was World Cancer Day. And... It was all about closing the care gap. And it's quite interesting because the UICC um, has offered an actionable recommendation to close this care gap. Now, I have Salome Mayer, who is the CEO of Cancer Alliance, who's going to tell us a little bit more about it. And just to look at what's happening in terms of cancer treatment in South Africa and around the world and how this gap can be closed. Salome, welcome. And thank you so much for joining us today. Nikki, thank you very much and good morning to all your listeners and viewers, wherever they are. Oh, fantastic, Salome. So the question is, close the care gap. Um, that was the theme for the World Cancer Day? Correct. It's been the theme for World Cancer Day for the last three years, in fact, because that is, is not something, in essence, that's going to, I want to say, happen overnight. Um, and hence the theme being for a period of three years. So closing the care gap can mean quite a lot in different countries, um, depending on where the country is exactly with their specific, um, I want to say, cancer care services. Um, and I think in South Africa, that means something different if you are getting your care in the private sector, and that is then 16% of the population, whereas if you are getting your care in the public sector, like 84% um, of the population does, it is a completely different meaning. Um, and that is the very stark reality of cancer care in South Africa. Yeah, I mean, it, it really is. And when you're looking at those percentages, 16% and 84% and the huge gap um, in the care, in, in the diagnosis, 
you know, in just checkups, diagnosis, the treatment? Absolutely. It's, it's, it's literally, so we talk about cancer care across the continuum of care that starts with awareness. And then you have early diagnosis with your screening programs. That would be screening for particular cancers. Um, so I'm going to then say in the public sector, you have got screening for cervical cancer as part of a policy. Whereas in the private sector, you will have screening for your um, cervical cancer, breast cancer, prostate cancer, and colorectal cancers as part of screening um, that is being, um, I want to say, funded by your medical schemes. So there, that already shows you where the gap is in terms of early of screening and early diagnosis. So then when we get to diagnosis, it then means that our patients within the public sector are diagnosed with more late stage disease, whereas your patients within the private sector, because of all the screening opportunities, then are actually diagnosed much earlier. We do know that with cancer, the earlier you are diagnosed, the better the outcomes of treatment. And that is very particularly the challenge that we have in South Africa to actually close that care gap. I also would like to uh, make everybody aware of the of the very um, dark fact. Um, I call it dark um, because it is it's you you can't. I sometimes can't even get my head around it. We've got eighty percent of the cancer care specialists that work in the private sector. 80% work in the private sector, meaning they service 16% of the population. We only have 20% of the cancer care professionals. That is your oncologist, your radiation therapist, all of those very specialized people. And then that also goes with the equipment that is required. It also goes with the budget for chemotherapy that is required. Only 20% service the public sector. Now, if that isn't a, a, a massive, massive inequity gap, then, you know, um, yeah, that's what it is. And the Cancer Alliance very specifically, the UICC has been talking about close the care gap. Cancer Alliance is going to launch a campaign um, we hope to do that in um, towards the end of this month, beginning of March, where we are going to call for close the equity gap. Act now. And that is a very definitive call that we are making to the National and Provincial Department of Health, the Minister of Health, where we are saying this needs to happen in this country now. Not later, now. So that's very interesting because, as you say, the, the, the Union for International Cancer Control has, has offered this actionable recommendation. You've come up as the Cancer Alliance with this uh, campaign, Act Now. Um, 
How, how do you see that playing out? I mean, look at South Africa, Salome. I'm sorry, but I mean, there are so many challenges in this country. I mean, we are dealing with a general government. We're dealing with provinces where there's misspending, where the budgets are. God knows what's happening to these budgets. It's not as if the money isn't there, but the money seems to be used in all sorts of other areas. And I'm, I'm not trying to point fingers. I, th I think it's incredibly brave of you to, to, you know, start a campaign like this when, wow, when there is so much working against you. And I really would love to know what this campaign looks like and whether there is some kind of legal framework or if it's just an idea that you have, how are you going to get um, these decision makers, how are you going to get these government officials to buy into this campaign? It is definitely not going to happen overnight and that we realize. So the Cancer Alliance, um, we base our advocacy on evidence, um, evidence-based reports. So for the last two years, we have been spending our time very dedicatedly on a research um, for a legal framework for cancer care. It was a collaborative research project between the Cancer Alliance, Cancer Association of South Africa, uh, King's College of London, as well as the University of Witwatersrand. Um, and we specifically looked at legal frameworks that are available in other countries. We had six um, study countries. That was the United Kingdom, United States, Japan, Kenya, Philippines, and Chile. Those are countries that have got a dedicated cancer act. We then looked at what does our existing legal framework look like. And I must say to you, we've got a plethora of health acts. Mm. And the question was very particularly for us, do we need a very dedicated act? Um, and as somebody had indicated, you know, if we want to go for that, um, it'll take us years to get there. I mean, we see it now with the NHI uh, um, and even with the NAPISA bill. So it takes us years to get to a certain point, mm -hmm. but the actual enactment, um, you know, takes us also a long time. So... Mm -hmm. That is a that that is the very stark reality. So what we are now going to rather look at is if in an incremental way we can get government on board to start focusing on the need for dedicated cancer care in this country and what we are calling um, on in our call to action very specifically is, is we are asking for the establishment of a national cancer institute in south africa and that in itself will bring various role players together so that we can start looking at what is that equity gap and how do we actually move towards closing that equity gap over a period of time? We've seen that with HIV 20 years ago, 20 plus years ago. The HIV movement um, led by civil society was actually instrumental in getting government to, to start for spending money on HIV and TB. 
we believe that the same should be done for NCDs, non-communicable diseases, but specifically for cancer. And we're seeing that with the with statistics that that cancer is going to increase drastically mm. in the next 10 years and very specifically your cancers that are affecting people living with um, HIV those cancers are going to increase dramatically mm. Salome, thank you. We're going to take a break. And after the break, I'd like to, again, unpack it a little bit further. You talk about this National um, Care Institute, how, I mean, Cancer Institute. What what would that look like if all had to go according to plan? So please stay with us. We'll be right back. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Welcome back to the DL Link Show, where we connect you through insights, information, and illumination. Salome Mayer, who's the CEO of Cancer Alliance, is on the show today. Um, the World Cancer Day, which took place on the 4th of Feb, um, with the theme, Close um, the Care Gap. And we've just been unpacking what this would look like specifically in South Africa. Very scary statistics Salome shared with us um, when we look at cancer, 16% of the population. We're looking at private um, healthcare, um, 84% of the, 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 the healthcare is the, in the, the, the public sector. Um, and I think Salome said something like 80% of the doctors um, service that 16%, um, which is the private sector. And, you know, it's, it's growing, as Salome says, there's going to be a huge increase certainly over the next 10 years. Um, and very often because there is no awareness and early diagnosis, um, many patients are being treated when it's already stage three, stage four. Um, Salome, you were talking about about this cancer, um, uh, this National Cancer Institution or Institute that you're looking, I hope you're still there, Salome. Are you there? I am, yes. You are yes. there. There we go. Um, you were talking about this. Um, that's where you'd like to start. You'd like to start off with this National Cancer um, Institute that would be looking at the whole country. How would that then look? What what would that look like? Would you have satellite, um, uh, like like mobile units that would be going into rural areas? What, what would this look like? So when we talk about a national cancer institute, we're talking about a body that can act as, and I'm going to use the word coordinating mechanism mm -hmm. that coordinates the efforts of cancer control for the country. What we have currently is we have a national department of health and then we've got nine provinces. And each of them have their own, I want to say, set of rules and uh, clinical guidelines, etc. Then within the private sector that service only the 16% of the population, you've got something like 
74, if I'm not mistaken, 74 different medical schemes. And each of them, again, have also got their own clinical care guidelines. So if you start adding up, we've got clinical care guidelines um, like more than 80, you know, uh, across the very, and, and this, it cannot happen like that. So what we require is, is that we need to determine at least for your 10, mo- 10 most prominent cancers in the country, uh, uh, we need to have standardized clinical care guidelines uh, for those cancers. And then we need to, because we need to also remember that there's more than 300 cancers. Now, it's not going to be possible to actually um, determine what are those uh, for each of the cancers, but at least we need to start moving towards what are the standardized guidelines with regards to specifically, um, you know, your main main uh, uh, um, main cancers. We also need to start looking at, for instance, um, in terms of data collection and, 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 and surveillance. So we've got the National Cancer Registry that is currently our um, functioning then as the, um, the specific mechanism through which cancer incidence is measured in the country, but we also know that the cancer registry has got an underreporting of nearly 40%, and that is for very specific reasons. Um, One is is that they are mainly a pathology-based registry, and not all cancers are diagnosed with pathology. So you're missing all the other cancers. We also know that um, lots of the private sector data doesn't come through. And data and surveillance is what we require in this country to plan accordingly where we need services. Now, going into an NHI or what is proposed as an NHI, one will at some point will have to look at, in terms of how do you close that very specific care and equity gap, where is it that you have services? And if we just look at, for instance, radiation oncology services, where is it that you have, for instance, private sector uh, uh, practices. Is it possible that any of those private sector uh, 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 practices can also service patients from the uh, public sector? And if that is possible, how does that work within an NHI? And you can only determine the need if you have accurate information. So those are the type of I want to say uh, things that a national cancer institute, um, and there are various examples of of where cancer institutes actually operate. We've got one in Kenya, we've got one in um, in Uganda as very good examples. Also, the one in the Philippines um, is an excellent example of exactly what it is they achieve. Um, if one look at the United States, the National Cancer Institute in the United States focus very much on research uh, agenda. And we also think that th- such a coordinating mechanism could look at what the cancer research agenda 
could be for the next 10, 15 years in this country. Mm-hmm. So lots of lots of, yeah. sort of objectives. So no, it's not about uh, mobile units or, yeah. or, or, or let me then say hardcore actually cancer centers, but it's actually about that decision-making body that mm-hmm. will decide on what is it that we need and that we that we decide that very much in a collective decision-making uh, manner, in a manner that is non-prescriptive mm-hmm. and that where we share responsibilities and that there's mutual trust between the private and the public sector, and that we also talk about equal participation and inclusiveness, and very importantly, that the voice of patients and civil society is represented in such a coordinating mechanism. Mm-hmm. And also that that whatever would be rolled out would be rolled out nationally. I mean, you talk about the provinces are all doing different things and this one, and but it would be rolled out nationally. It would almost right. just cross the board. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So, Lomi, fantastic. Before I say goodbye to you, I'm just going to put it out there and ask the question, when do you suppose something like a National Cancer Institute would 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 materialize? So what we inv- we we're doing this call to action um, where we're going to bring stakeholders together, um, and including the Department of Health, and we envisage that we will hopefully get a steering committee um, selected to start looking at what is the actual objectives and the terms of reference of such a body, who will be on the body, um, and also who will fund such a body. Because Mm -hmm. that in itself is going to be quite, and as you quite rightly say, in a country where we have, you know, such desperate need for um, health system strengthening and all the other, I want to say, all the other health issues that we have, we need to make sure that there's also appropriate funding for such a mechanism. We don't have the answers. We are not being prescriptive. We're saying it must be a collective effort that we work towards and my and I want to say my my personal vision is is that if we can work towards this in the next year to two years and then say yes now we have something where we all agree that this is what it's going to look like for the future then I think we have achieved a lot. So it's as I say you know it's not something that's going to happen overnight. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Salome, thank you very much for coming onto the show today and sharing, um, you know, telling us more about this Act Now campaign, Close the Equity Gap. Um, and we wish you all the best with that and, and hope to see it happening and materializing, you know, in the time frame and, and changing the access to treatment for all South Africans. Um, and yeah, thank you. I think it's amazing what you're doing. We really appreciate your time. Thank you, Nikki, and um, I hope we can share our progress with you and the listeners again at a later stage. But thank that'll you for be fantastic. allowing us. Oh, thank that'll you. be fantastic. Thank you, Salome. Go well. 
Thank you. you. Bye bye. Salome Mayer um, here on the DL Link Show, CEO of Cancer Alliance.